because it all matters. You don't have to be doing it all to make a difference. That one thing you're doing matters just as much as the a thousand things that the world needs. As long as we're all doing something, I feel like that's really what matters. Welcome to Shell Phone, the podcast that gives the ocean its very own hotline. I'm Harmony Dawson, and joining us today is Jill Simons. You can find her in New Jersey organizing earth cleanups or traveling around the country in her converted bus. You can learn more about Jillian on her Instagram accounts at Endeavors on Earth and at Becoming Intention. Hey, Jill. Thanks for joining us today to talk about connecting with and caring for the earth. Before we jump into questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, Harmony, and hi, Shell Phone Podcast. Thank you guys for choosing to have me on here with you today. A couple of things about me. Um, I just, I love nature. I love the color blue and I love picking up trash. I love anything that has to do with helping the earth and helping other people connect to the earth. So what inspired you to start traveling? Um, I saw a van parked in front of my house when I was 14, my sophomore year of high school. I was grounded at the time and I was awake at like four o'clock in the morning and I just saw it parked in front and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then I posted a picture of it on my Facebook page, just like, I'm going to do this one day. And then my semester into high, now my semester into college, when I was going for marine biology, one of my friends traveled across the country in their van. They posted they were selling it. And I just got this really deep call in my gut that was like, you need to do this. Where you're at right now isn't the right place to be. And you need to go like discover and find yourself. So I told them I was going to buy the van and finish my semester of school. And by the next, uh, by the winter, I was out. Awesome. So, yeah. Were your expectations about what you would most enjoy or learn from the experience different from what you actually did? Yeah, I would say Instagram has a way of making it look a lot more glorified and a lot more nice than it really is. It's definitely not as nice as it makes it seem. When I first did it, um, I had no means of like what it meant to live on the road. So I probably ate peanut butter and jellies for the first like six months and lost a bunch of weight and was really unhealthy. Um, It wasn't until I met other people on the road that have been doing it for longer than I have that shared with me their experiences. And I had some older guy that I met give me like a little single propane burner. And once I got that, I was like, wow, I can actually like cook food. Wow, this is crazy. So yeah, I thought going into it, it was just going to be easy. You're living in a van, you're traveling, but it's a lot more work than that. Um, it's not that easy. Yeah, a lot of learning along the way. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite place that you've traveled to? Honestly, I really, I don't have a favorite place because you can find so much beauty and diversity in each different place that like it's hard to pick one when every place has something different to offer. Can't pick a favorite. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing about traveling around instead of picking your favorite place to stay. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, so you wrote that connecting people to the earth is your love language in Instagram posts. And some of the ways you do this are organizing cleanups, nature walks, and other gatherings. Can you tell us more about what community means to you when you're home and when you're traveling? Yeah, so community is like a big thing for me. The end of community, if you take out commune, it's unity. You know, we are all unified together. You know, we breathe oxygen to the trees and the trees give oxygen back to us. You know, where we are symbiotic. So connecting and connection and community are all one and the same for me. Community is really just how can we all be living within each other for the betterment of the planet? And how can we all do things together for the betterment of the planet? So earth cleanups are my number one 
the way because it brings people together for one. So that's community. They're all together. And then they're doing something good together. So there's community everywhere. There's music events. There's, you know, pottery classes. But when it comes to community for the earth, it's a different feeling. It's a different sensation because you're doing something greater than yourself. That's what I like to bring to the table. Uh, What advice can you give to people who want to get involved in those things or are looking for their own community? Facebook groups are really a nice way to get involved. There is a Facebook group that's like a worldwide cleanup group where people post cleanups throughout the whole entire country. Um, I think it's really, really cool. Also, just going into the local city hall, going to local meetings, local council meetings, local commission meetings. As individuals, we are allowed to go in on any town meeting. They're open to the public. It's just the public never goes. So if we can take the time to actually go to those meetings and put our face in the public, put our face in the town, in the community, and then ask, how can I get involved? What can I do to help? And then for a cleanup, you really just say, if you want to organize a cleanup, pick a time, pick a date, put a flyer out there, go to local businesses and people will come. And it might just be one person for the first one. It might just be five people for the second one. But if you want to do it, it's just choosing to start is the number one thing. Instead of waiting, just do it because it's going to grow over time. In organizing your own cleanups, did you ever feel held back by concerns about safety or a lack of resources since you'll be picking up trash? The one thing when I first did a cleanup, I didn't take into consideration what happens with the trash after the cleanup. That's a the really big part of the cleanup. It's easy to get people together, but what to do with it after is the hardest part. Yeah, so it definitely was challenging. Luckily, I was able to go to Home Depot and get a lot of supplies donated. So all the buckets and pickers and gloves, uh, they were all donated to me. So that was like the easiest thing. It was really just getting rid of the trash. So I would reach out to the local public works and every town has a public work. So whether you're in Florida, in California or Idaho, there's a public works everywhere. So you just find your local public works. I called mine. And as long as I do a cleanup within my county, I can leave all the bags at the cleanup location and the public works will come pick it up for me. It is like amazing. But if I'm on the road, then I have to be really weary and I have to be mindful of where I'm at and where I'm cleaning. Is there a dumpster nearby? Is there trash cans nearby? Am I going to be able to dispose of this? I did see one post that you made about um, taking some things that you had found and making them into art, like with a jar or things like that. Do you do that often? So I was doing that a lot when I was on the road to raise awareness, but now being full-time, just living in the bus, I really don't have the space to hold on to a lot of those things. So I try to hold on to items that I find at cleanups that are really like eye-opening to people. And then one of my favorite things to do with trash is a bottle brick. So you pretty much just get a plastic bottle and you just shove all the plastic into it. Or if you have a hard plastic, you can cut it into smaller pieces and you fill it into this plastic bottle. So it gets really, really hard. You fill it as full as you can to where you can't even squeeze the bottle anymore. And you can actually mail these bottles to ecobricks.org. And they're like making houses from them in Indonesia and stuff. Because the plastic bottle takes like 400 years to break down. You're not going to live in your house for 400 years. It's pretty cool. What is the strangest or coolest thing that you've found during a cleanup? The number one thing that always comes to mind is a Comcast router, like a TV router. Oh. It was so, I just remember being so confused, like, what is going on here? But I mean, like, you find weird stuff all the time that it's so hard to determine, like, what's weirder than this? Because none of this stuff should be on the beach. You know what I mean? Like, none of this stuff should be where it is. So, like, 
even just finding tires in weird places. I'm like, how did this get here? Like, this person must have either just dumped it because I couldn't have gotten taken by the wind. It's too heavy, you know? So pollution is such a large issue that it sometimes seems impossible to make a dent in it. Do you ever get overwhelmed by that feeling? And what advice would you give to people feeling like that? Yeah, I've definitely moved through that. My first two years of like first learning about plastic, so like 2017 and 2018, my family called me the angry environmentalist. That's literally what I was known as because I was just so angry. Yeah, I was just disappointed because I didn't understand all of this. I didn't understand that plastic takes 400 years to break down and then it breaks into smaller pieces and the smaller pieces break into smaller pieces. Um, So I really just remind myself that we're all doing our best and that each of us are doing our best. And even the people that aren't aware, they're still doing their best at where they're at right now. So I used to get angry at the people that buy plastic water bottles, but now I offer them my love because I hope that they'll learn and I hope that they'll see in time that there's a better option, you know, but we can't judge because if we're just going to judge people for living a different way than we are, then we're still falling into that same hole. So if we can choose to see everyone as we are and choose to see that we're all doing the best that we can and we're all trying the best that we can, then it eases it up a little bit, you know, because that's all we can do. We can only do our best. And sometimes we can't even do our best and that's okay. We're human. Being human is hard. Yes, it is. Do you think that one person making a change can be big enough to help the planet as a whole? 1,000%. There's this quote, and it says, if you think one person can't make a change, try sleeping in bed with a mosquito. That is so on point. That is so right. So let's say, for example, like I work at a marina. I work in the dock. So I do kayak tours. I bring people on kayak tours all the time. Uh, On a kayak tour, I'm in the water. What lives in the water? Fish live in the water. What else live in the water? Turtles live in the water. So the number one thing I find in my kayak tours are plastic bags caught up in the marsh. And I always pick them up and I keep them. You're making a difference. You just by picking up that one plastic bag, a difference for the planet has been made and will like forever. You know what I mean? Like now that turtle can't go and eat that plastic bag. So you have just made a difference for the planet with one single action. That's pretty amazing to think about because if we didn't pick it up, who else is going to pick it up? So another important part of caring for the earth is leaving behind as small of a footprint as possible. This can include using sustainable products, eating locally sourced foods, and so much more. What practices like these do you incorporate into your life? This is a really, um, a really big, big part of my life. The biggest part where you have to remember the balance of being human and being an environmentalist, because it's not always easy to be environmentalist. So things I do to try to help and to try and be involved is one, getting uh, produce local. So I've got a lot of really awesome local farmer's markets where I can go and get all my produce from, which is really helpful. But then for my bulk items, I still have to go to ShopRite. So to help when I go to ShopRite, I bring my own bags because I'm not contributing to buying their own reusable plastic bags. Um, So I just bring my own if I still have to go and do something like that. And then when it comes to going out, so like I love to get an iced coffee. Some places around me still don't allow you to bring your own cup. So if I want to get an iced coffee, they usually come in a plastic cup. So instead, I just ask to get in a paper cup. Um, And I know which businesses around me use the gray paper cups that actually break down that don't have the plastic lining. So just really trying to be aware of that. And then I always choose local businesses for my clothes. There's this one shop called The Days, and they make all of their products from either wood pulp, from bamboo, from hemp, um, all different materials. And they don't use plastic, which is like so important for me. And it's all made in the United States. It's not shipped from other countries. So I really just try to buy local, shop local, bring my reusable bags, 
get the paper cup instead of the plastic cup and just be graceful, be graceful with myself during that process. Because, you know, it's an up and down process of learning how to be sustainable. Like for my toothpaste, for example, I just had to switch toothpaste to a better company that I found, but they're still not using a non-plastic tube. So I had to decide, all right, where am I going to, where am I going to bend here? What is, what is more important for me? So I researched the other brand where I was getting from and their practices of toothpaste. I know it sounds weird is less sustainable, even though it's not in a plastic tube, than the company that's in a plastic tube. So really just looking deeper than the surface of what's happening in these organizations of how we can support. Because there's a lot of ways, you know, it's just choosing what ways work best for us. Did you struggle to do any of those things while traveling? Yeah, traveling was really hard. So the first person I ever started following on my plastic journey was the Plastic Free Mermaid. And the Plastic Free Mermaid is amazing, but she doesn't use any plastic. And I'm not in a point in my life right now where that's ideal for me. So when I first started this journey, I was on the road and I was like, I'm not buying anything plastic. And it really messed up my health because there was a lot of things that I needed to buy that I just wouldn't buy because it wasn't plastic, you know? So now to do things on my own, it's just that matter of like, okay, like if this is what I need, can I get this once a week rather than three times a week if it's in plastic? Because when you're on the road, if you want to buy a pack of cookies or whatever, that's in a plastic container. And I really like those pack of cookies. So instead of just not getting them completely, I'll get it once a week or once a month instead of every time I go to the store. Because being on the road is hard because you're constantly buying stuff because you can't keep stuff for a long amount of time. So you need to get stuff more often. So it's just really choosing what stuff to get when you get it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. So becoming intention involves the idea that connecting with the earth and our true selves are tied together. And one way to connect with earth is through taking action to care for it. Can you tell us more about this idea and your own journey with it? Really, like for me, connecting to the earth, like we are the earth in my opinion, we are so like, like I said earlier with the trees, like if that's not a relationship, I don't know what is. If us breathing out our carbon dioxide and the trees being like, oh, I need that. Thank you. And then like, them giving us oxygen. It's like, we're needed here. We are needed on this planet. So to do things, to connect to the earth, like for me, picking up trash is such a big one, because even if you're just going for a walk and picking up one piece, you're still helping out the local nature. You're still helping out the birds and the bees. You know, you're just, you're helping. And then just being mindful on a walk. There's a difference of walking and being on a walk. There is such a big difference. So if you're just walking, you could be thinking about anything in your head. But if you're on a walk, you're mindfully being careful. You're looking at each step. You're observing what's around you. You're stopping to smell a flower. You know, you're feeling the ground underneath, under each step. You're noticing your breath as you inhale and as you exhale. You're being in the moment. You're looking at the sky. You're looking at the trees and giving gratitude for those things for being around you and for being there. And that's connection. Gratitude is connection. When you say, hey, tree, I'm really grateful for you. You're extending your energy to it and you're connecting to it. And we need gratitude. Gratitude runs deep through everything. And um, that's like the number one practice. So really just going on a walk and being mindful of a walk, picking up a piece of trash if it's there when I see it, and then just staying in tune while I'm there. It's like the best self-practice I think there really is, in my opinion. When do you feel the most connected with the earth? Is there a specific place or activity that comes to mind? I would say like the most when I feel connected to the earth is when I'm just in the present moment. That's the best answer I can give. And being in the present moment differs, you know, like so yesterday I was driving and I noticed I was an autopilot because I was just like driving. and I noticed I was irritated from the car in front of me driving really slow. So I was like, OK, where can I come into the present moment now? 
and connect back to myself and back to where I'm at. So I took my attention off the car that was in front of me and I took my attention to the trees that were around me instead. And I was like, oh, I can just slow down and drive a little slower and appreciate these trees around me. So that was a really mo- a, a big moment where I was like, oh, okay, we're all here. We're all doing this, you know, we're all just on it. But then other moments, like when I sit and I take time to take deep breaths, I really feel the connection in those moments. So I'm like when I take a lot of time to ex- exhale a lot longer, um, it's really potent. I feel it really strong in those moments. When I'm in the water, anytime I'm in a natural body of water, it's just such a big, a big moment of healing for me because we're 90% water, you know, we're made of mostly water. The moon, for example, affects the tides down here. So if the moon affects the water here, how can the moon not affect the water in our bodies? So yeah, just, I really feel connected to the earth when I'm around the earth and like when I'm in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Going back to an earlier point, how do you help other people feel connected in that way? So one of my favorite ways to get people um, connected to the earth is by getting them to feel the earth. So I do like tea ceremonies and women's gatherings. And the main thing that I do in a women's gathering is um, I have a plant. So usually it'll be a form of flower. And I hand someone the flower and I let them take the time to notice all the divine detail within the flower. So the little speckles of dots, how the edges of the flower might fold out, how they might be different in length the seeds on the inside and then I bring them to touch the flower to caress the flower to feel it in different ways maybe to rub the underside and then rub the front to feel the difference of the softness or the roughness and um it's just a way that people don't often think about nature in a way they just walk we often just walk past it instead of actually taking the time to connect with it plants are our allies you know they're our friends they're our healers they're wisdom keepers And um, I really think there's such potentness in taking time to sit with these plants and to ask before we pick, you know, hey, is it okay if I pick you? And a plant will say yes or no, it will. It'll tell you if it can pick you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a matter of taking the time to drop your ego, to drop, you know, the narcissist part of us. We all have it. We all have an ego. We all have a soul. So it's just determining, hey, can we take this moment? to take a breath and to actually see with our true eye what is around us, you know, the the pure beauty of the nature around us. And then hugging a tree is my other favorite way. I get people just to wrap their arms around a tree and to just breathe as deep as they can. And a lot of the time people end up in tears. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's such a profound, a lot of people, because they have so much judgment. And once they're in that experience of doing it themselves, it's like, oh, I've also been judging myself too, because I've been holding myself back from this experience. So once they let themselves open up to that and drop their guard, it's a whole different realm of feeling for them that they never felt before. And um, we all need to feel, you know, we can't ignore our emotions are the biggest part of us. And if we ignore our emotions, the disease arises, you know? So that's why the earth is so perfect. You know, that's why when a leaf is growing, nature doesn't need us. That is the most beautiful part I think about the world is that nature doesn't need us. Plants do what they need to do and they grow all they need to grow. Uh, A morning glory, for example, they know to climb up the closest thing that's near. It's just their, their wisdom. They know how to grow. They know how to take care of themselves. Yeah. We just need to learn how to do the same for ourselves. Yeah. As a side note, I have my morning glory tattoo here. Stop. That's so fun that you mentioned that. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> don't morning glories only open. Don't they only open in the morning too? 
Yeah, I grew up in Maine, and we had them all around, and they would open in the morning and then, like, by, like, midday be closed. And doesn't that kind of teach us our boundaries itself? It's like, we don't really know the reason why this flower closes. So maybe the flower closes because it knows it only has a certain amount of pollen to give and then closes back up so it can't give any more. It's like the same thing for us. Like, we know to go out during the day, do our thing, but maybe by 2 o'clock, I need to go home and take a nap to recharge. Yeah. Same thing like the morning glory, you know? And you really have to appreciate it while it's there until the next day, of course. So what does it mean to you to live intentionally? So living intentionally, to start with what is intention, you know? And an intention is just really like a call. An intention is a call for how you want to live. It's a call for how you want to change. It's calling in this newness of how you want to experience. For me recently, my biggest intention over the last month has just been um, to do what I need to do for like the realness of my living. You know, like it's so easy for me to like organize beach cleanups and organize community events, but like to make your doctor's appointment or to like pay my phone bill, the hardest thing in the world. Um, so I've set the intention to do the things that are important and that are responsible, you know, to do the responsible aspects of being an adult. So what it means to live intentional is to choose the intention that you need. So whatever you're going through, whether it's you need more self-love in your life. So I intend to create more habits of self-love and then do the things that it takes to ask for that. The intention is the bud of a flower, basically. It's the bud. So you have given this bud what you want. And now it's up to you to repeat this intention to allow the things that need to happen for this bud to flower. So it's a really beautiful thing. So whether you're choosing to be intentional about being more present in the moment. So choosing to, all right, I want to be more, I want to be more intentional by living in the moment, not letting the day to day get by me. So ways to do that would be, all right, so when I get frustrated, instead of reacting, I'm going to take a deep breath. When I go on a walk, I'm going to leave my phone at home and I'm going to pay attention to my surroundings. And then it just builds and it slowly builds over time of ways to become intentional and ways to be mindful of how we're living and how we want to live because our life is a choice. How we live our life is a choice. So if we can set an intention to help us with our goals and help us with how we want to live, it makes things a lot easier and it keeps us on track. How can our listeners use what we've discussed to deal with feelings of eco-anxiety? Being mindful of the anxiety and being mindful of where it's coming from also. That's a really big thing. And remembering that it's a journey and that we're human and humans aren't perfect and nature isn't perfect also. We can't do it all. That's a big thing. We want to do it all. We want to change everything. We want to help all. But as an individual, there's only so much we can do. And that's a beautiful thing to remember. We're individuals for a reason. And we're on this planet for a reason. For your own individual purpose. We're not all meant to be fighting the same thing. That's why we have people that fight really hard for the plastic bag ban. That's why we have people that fight really hard for big oil. That's why we have people that fight really hard for social justice. That's why we have people that fight really hard for mindfulness and for consciousness and for health and for, and for wellness. You know, there's all these different avenues. So I feel like a lot of times um, in the ego-ness, we can get caught up in wanting to do it all. But can we remember that we're an individual and that it's almost more powerful to choose a few things to put your passion into and to dive into rather than trying to do all things under the carpet of environmentalism 
because it all matters. You don't have to be doing it all to make a difference. That one thing you're doing matters just as much as the a thousand things that the world needs, you know, because we're as long as we're all doing something, I feel like that's really what matters. Just to, again, to remember that we're doing our best and it doesn't matter what our best looks like. So it's really just using the way you were raised, using the way you live, using the way within your own personality and not changing your own personality to be this type of eco person. Because as long as we're all doing something to help the earth and as long as it's genuine and you're wanting to do something for the betterment of the planet, you're doing something. So there's no need to feel any guilt or resentment for not doing enough because there's no guideline of what's enough. Who says what's enough? So I guess that's, that's my take on it. Yeah, awesome. On Instagram, I've seen you post a lot of calming videos that encourage us to take a moment to breathe and feel connected with everything around us. So would you mind ending by leading us in a short meditation or breathing exercise? I would love that. Awesome. I absolutely love that. My podcast host, if you guys want to join in, by all means, please join in. Just before we start, I kind of just want to go over what breath is. I know like breath, what do you mean? What is breath? It's our breath. Um, but our breath is so much more than that. Our breath moves through in different channels of our body. So that's why we breathe differently when we're feeling different emotions. If you notice when you get anxiety, your breath picks up. If you notice when you're excited, you get a, <gasps> or if you're angry, like, oh, your, your breath is your expression. Your breath is your life force. Um, so if we can breathe in positive, happy, fulfilling, nourishing breaths rather than fearful, stagnant, plain, empty breaths. There's a really big difference that comes through. And then you can say, oh, what does it mean to take a nourishing breath? That's crazy. I never heard of that before. A nourishing breath is really just what you give it. So I really like to smile when I breathe, to keep a smile on my face. Let, let my smile be my nourishment. And I like to, when I breathe, I like to visualize my breath filling every part of my body. I like to visualize my breath as a green color. So when I breathe, it's a whole, it's not just breathing. It's using the mind and the breath and the body as one. We're going to kind of encapsulate a little bit of that in the breathing exercise. It's going to be a somewhat breathing exercise, somewhat meditation. And this is a practice that I really like to incorporate every morning and afternoon. Of course, I'm not a perfect human being, so I don't do it every morning and afternoon. But when I do do it, it makes me feel really good and it connects me to the earth. So it's a powerful thing. And it also to remember that we are human beings and we fall into autopilot. It's a natural thing. So reminding ourselves that when we take the time to do this practice, that it's a practice. It's a journey. It's not set in stone. So whatever is comfortable for you, I like to sit in a seated position with my legs crossed. And then starting with your legs crossed in a pretzel, noticing how your sit bones are on the ground. So we have two sit bones. We have two gluteuses we've got a sit bone on our left and we have a sit bone on our right so even just taking the taking the time to notice our sit bones gets us into our body that is an immediate draw to the body so once you get grounded in your sit bones and you feel yourself nice and sitting firm on them we're going to take our palms and we're going to place them open on our knees once you have your palms open on your knees we're going to rise our spine tall by rolling our shoulders back and lifting up through our chest and once we're here, we're going to close our eyes. We're going to close our eyes and breathe normally as you would, just for right now, your normal breath. And then I want you to consciously choose your next inhale. 
So on your inhale, inhaling through the nose, gently and slowly. And then exhaling out of the mouth, audible. So however that is for you, whether it's a sigh, whether it's an awe, or whether if it's a uh, whatever your body needs, it is totally fine. So vibration and breath are one and the same. And then we're going to move on to a body scan. So we're going to start by just bringing our awareness with our eyes closed to the top of our head, maybe even swaying our neck side to side. Once you bring the awareness to the top of your head, bring your awareness to your eyebrows. Notice if you're holding any tension in your forehead, in your eyebrows, in your eyes, and take the time to loosen the grip. Loosen the firmness how you're holding your eyes shut. Maybe they even just flutter shut because you're letting them be that soft. And then bring the awareness to your jaw. Can you release the tension in your jaw? Can you release your teeth from being held together? Can you let your tongue be soft? And then moving to the neck. Can we drop in softly into the neck? Can we let our shoulders fall back and not hold them up with tension? Can we just release them down and let the elbows drop down even further? Can we release the tension in our belly, bringing our breath as far down to the belly as we can? Inhaling and exhaling into the different parts where we're bringing awareness. Bringing our awareness to our legs. Can we soften the grip? Where are we holding tension? And bringing our awareness down into our feet. And simply by doing this body scan, we're becoming aware of the different parts of our body. And now we're gonna come back to the breath, noticing our inhale, feeling the breath. Is it cool? Is it warm? And when you exhale, and you exhale slowly, as slowly as you possibly can. Inhaling and exhaling slowly and gently. And I invite you to give yourself a smile. Give yourself gratitude for being here on this planet, for caring about yourself, for caring about the planet, for caring about wildlife. Fill yourself up with your own gratitude. Give yourself the praise that you give to every other environmentalist for doing the good things. Give yourself the same amount of love that you would give to the person doing what you're doing. Bask yourself in your own gratitude, in your own joy for being who you are, for caring for this planet, because what you are doing makes a difference. And you, who you are, is making a difference. Maybe even visualize yourself in the greenest, most luscious mountains and envision the leaves as an extension of Mother Earth holding you. Envision yourself laying in this field of grass and this field of grass is holding you as you lay in it. It is holding you and it is thanking you for caring for this earth. The earth thanks you. 
The earth is our guide and the earth is so grateful for everything that we do to care for it. Take the time to notice your surroundings. To notice that we are not in control. That we are merely just living in the flow that is life. And that we're doing the best that we can. Coming back to the breath, exhaling through the mouth, letting it all go. Inhaling gently through the nose. Out through the mouth. And in your own time, start to wiggle your fingers. Maybe drop your head to the left, drop your head to the right. Bring the awareness back into the body. Open your eyes, just a smile, and thank yourself for choosing to be here today and to do the things that the earth needs. And that's just this quick, easy little practice to do to help you come in tune with your own self and come in tune with the earth because the earth knows that we're helping when you're helping. So that's a really good thing to remember. Awesome. That was really great. Thank you for joining us and talking with us today. You can find more of Jill on Instagram at Endeavors on Earth and at Becoming Intention. Keep an ear out for more episodes of Shell Phone and find us on any social media platforms at Breach the Surface.